Welcome to Moonlight Writers Club, a podcast for writers attempting to further their creative goals while juggling the demands of work, home, and remembering to feed the dog. I'm your host, Molly Thornton, here to highlight and reimagine the wisdom of new and time-worn craft advice and speaking with folks who have carved out writing careers or mastered the balancing act of writing with a full life. Before we begin, let me set the scene. Outside my window, there are palm trees stretching toward the sky and a rainbow of pastel buildings sprawling out before me. There's also a constant barrage of trucks, sirens, and a dumpster that seems to be emptied every time I record an episode. So thanks in advance for your patience with the sounds of LA as they appear in the background. Hello! Greetings, Moonlighters. Welcome back to season one of the podcast, where we're exploring the best parts of the artist's way by Julia Cameron and building our writing practice through creative unblocking exercises, self-reflection, and play. In this episode, writer-director Natia Kasai is hanging out in the Moonlight Writers Club to share her insights. Natia Kasai fights for a wide range of voices in front of and behind the camera while managing her fun day job as a video editor at the Film Detective and Fandor. By the time Natia reached film school at UCLA, she knew she had something to say, both as a Black queer woman and as an outsider. Since then, Natia has written and directed six short films, four music videos, and partnered with countless diverse voices to bring their stories to screen. Natia crafts and contributes to projects across platforms as writer and director. In our conversation, Natia and I discuss the benefits of being an outsider, the power of writing as a survival tool, how to beat perfectionism, and the value of writing with authenticity. Natia has beautiful personal writing habits related to both seeking inspiration and getting words on the page that I can't wait for you to hear. In addition, we talk about the role of teachers and formal education in both helping and harming our creative identities, a topic that fits right in with themes and exercises from the artist's way. Natia knows firsthand the difficulty of maintaining a writing practice outside the wear and tear of full-time work. The supportive and fun ways she approaches her writing practice will make you want to get to your desk ASAP. And before we wrap up, she leaves us Moonlight Writers with a really fun creative exercise you can explore the next time you sit down to ease yourself into writing. Please enjoy my conversation with Natia Kasai. So, 
thank you for being here with me. And we're going to talk about um, writing practice and your creative writing. So something that piqued my interest in your bio was I noticed that you describe yourself as an outsider. And I wonder what that means to you. Oh, that's a great question. Um, I I always felt like an outsider since I was a pretty young child, um, was very, very quiet, was kind of labeled as shy, um, and very, like, introspective, just kind of, like, taking it all in. Uh, and I felt, I've had somebody else describe this as well, and I kind of felt like an alien because <laughs> the way that people were able to, like, talk and interact and how it seemed so easy for them I was like, how do you do, like, where did you get that lesson from of how to be socially uh, capable <laughs> and make it easy and like, uh, in a way. So that always was a little more harder for me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and always kind of looking up to people who could do that. So also, in a very practical sense, I grew up in Santa Barbara, California, it's a very um, Caucasian space, and I was one of the few Black people there. So uh, that just on the outside made me definitely an outsider. Um, and then on top of that, not knowing that it was like a little queer baby that didn't know it um, <laughs> into a much like later time in life also made me feel a little bit of an outsider. So it was a multitude of like different intersections, but always feeling a little bit like... Uh, E.T. not really <laughs> trying to find where that. my home is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I resonate with that a lot. And I think, I mean, that's kind of, I think of it as a writer thing. I have a friend, we always talk about it, that being a writer is like being a spy, right? <laughs> like you're the one who's always just like seeing what's going on. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you, how do you feel like, I mean, do you feel like there's a relationship between your writing and that sort of way of being in the world? It's a great question. I think I definitely write characters that are outsiders 100%. They're usually a little bit um, far out or misunderstood in some way. Um, and writing from that perspective is I, I realize looking, looking back at my work, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is something I keep like hitting on the head. Uh, so yeah, I definitely do pull from that space. I feel like I like to write because in part, because of what you said about like not feeling like I always know how to say what I want to say or, you know, just be in the mix. And I think sometimes writing is where I feel like, I can figure out how to express things and put them in the right order and say what I would have want to say or want to express. Oh, 100% Molly. Oh my gosh. I, yeah, you, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And I think, uh, I've used that before of things of like, if I'd been in a conversation or I didn't kind of stand for myself, I'll go to my writing and be like, what would I have said in this situation? Like if I could take the power back in that situation and like write out this huge monologue of me going off on this person. And it feels good. Cause you're like, okay, this is in me. This is something I, you know, could have done, would have done, and maybe we'll hold on to that next time. So yeah, it's, it's 
I have never been the person to have the words right then and there, but writing has been a space where I'm like, okay, I can just say whatever I want. <laughs> and it's great. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. Second chances too. Exactly. <laughs> so how do you experience the need to write or what would you say drives or motivates you to write? Um, I, it's a couple of things. I think the first is the need to, it's it for me it's like very personal so just the need to express whatever emotion is going on inside of me um I think now that I to get kind of personal and now am in therapy and like learning that a lot of my writing was a way of navigating the world and almost like a survival tool in sense um that I didn't know I was even doing this but like um to like i do deal with like anxiety and depression. So like a lot of my writing is navigating those kind of things and working through that. And so in a way it's, it's kind of a little of a, like just a need and a have to, <laughs> to just like process my feelings in a healthy outlet. And then the second thing I would say is, is for me as a filmmaker and writer, so much of the pieces that inspired me to do what I do as a kid was just the films and the stories that made me feel less alone and made me feel seen. And so any way that I can be a part of that and practice that is, and make somebody feel a little less alone in this world is like what I want to do. There's a film, it's it's an adaption of Cinderella. It's with Brandy and Whitney Houston. It's the black version. Yes. Yes, <laughs> and, I remember that. You remember that? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. And seeing that as a little girl was huge for me. I never, I, we weren't allowed to be in that space before. So it's like creating content like that, um, creating pieces like that where people are like, ah, oh, that's, I, that's me. That's, that's who um, I get to see myself is definitely the, one of the main tries for me uh, to continue to write and create. So, right. So you've written and directed films and music videos, and also I know you as a poet. So I'm curious about like all sort of the different modes you work in. And if you have any sort of idea about how you move between them. Yeah, I think it, for me, it always started with being a writer first. Um, That was the format that I started with. Um, or the artistic expression that I started with. Um, and then that kind of grew to my love for filmmaking and directing. Um, and the way I move through them is kind of, for me, like whatever, for, for in the past, I should say, whatever uh, projects come my way is kind of how I've been able to navigate between the three. But um, on like a personal level of like what I enjoyed doing is I always go to poetry first. And that is what I try to at least write one poem a day. It's Mm -hmm. the lack of structure that I love so much about poetry. um, And what I was initially really good at as a kid, I remember my teacher being like, this is like, that's what inspired me to continue this was I wrote some poetry and she's like, you're really good at this. Like you need to be, you need to continue this. So I think in that way, it's always the format that I think I will always come to and express myself. 
Um, and it's also short. Like I can write a little <laughs> poem in five minutes and not feel so bad of not working on my script of like 120 pages, you know? So it's like for my brain, it like allows me to kind of be like, this is a finite piece that I'm proud of and hold it, even if it's just for myself. Um, and, and navigating through all different of these formats, I feel like they're kind of all interconnected and I do really enjoy directing music videos and it's both the music and writing the tre- the treatment for the music video and dance and music and all these different art forms kind of colliding together. And that's what I love the most. So as much as they are like definitely their own crafts and 100% should be like respected and valued in that way there is a kind of beauty in filmmaking that like all of these crafts kind of come together and you can work with them um, like in a collaborative process. So um, yeah, that's what makes it exciting. Yeah. I've really been drawn to that sort of element of production recently and just any type of writing after for so long focusing on writing poems, writing prose that's meant to be read on the page, but being someone who likes to collaborate and then realizing, oh, there's writing behind all of these other things that are so much bigger and have all these other mediums in them. Exactly. It is exciting. And even thinking about I mean, my background was first like writing um, or working on productions and like multicam sitcoms and working on um, working in the production office with those and just seeing the writers rooms of these writers of 15, 20 people in a room writing these jokes all together. And it's like there is a collaborative space for writing and um, you don't think of it as much in different, especially for comedy, you'll see that. But like even in drama, there's partnerships and um and reworking with actors of like can I try and change this line like it's a constant flow of Mm -hmm. collaboration which makes it really cool yeah yeah I never realized that until I moved to LA and witnessed that yeah and I really love that because it's so different from it's just so the opposite of what you learn even when you take creative writing classes where there's a workshop element like getting feedback is still this sort of like one way street mm-hmm. where it's like, this is your thing. And it's obviously very helpful and it's great to just get feedback on your own projects, but it's a completely different thing to play the game with someone else and be actually working on the ideas together. Exactly. It makes a wait for me way easier. I <laughs> not to think of yeah. all the ideas. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the in the vein of the artist way, which you know we're talking about on this season of the podcast, I want to back up to you sharing about um a. Uh, sort of moment that you're carrying with you about a teacher who encouraged your poetry, because that's one of the exercises that comes up early on is um, kind of thinking through what are like the times early in your childhood or, or things that stick with you where both you got, you know, maybe negative feedback or someone Mm. told you you couldn't do something that kind of held you back, but then countering that with what are those sort of wins that you take with you? Will you talk more about like who that teacher was or what that moment was for you? 
Yeah, I it was um it was Vivian. We I went to a really hippy dippy school, and uh, we called our teachers by our first names. And yeah, uh, yeah, Vivian was my I think it was my fifth grade teacher, fourth or fifth grade. Um, and yeah, we actually it was really cool because we had this lady come in. She's um now a Santa Barbara poet, like laureate or something special like that. Um, and she was a black woman and she came in and shared her poems and then we had to respond with ours. And that was like kind of the spark of where, and again, the idea of being seen, right? Like in the place that was very, very white. So yeah, I was super inspired by her, wrote those poems. And then that teacher was like, Hey, yeah, you're really good at this. You can do this. Um, and having so, I was really lucky and had so many teachers that took the time to just like kind of pull me aside. and say hey this is this is like raw talent you should kind of cultivate this and and teachers who weren't so great in that area as well you know like you said the yin yang of it both of of I had a professor in college who was really hard on my writing and didn't quite I don't think he quite understood what I was trying to do I didn't completely understand what I was trying to do at that point in my life creatively um trying to like figure out my way and really like dampen my writing like I remember not writing for a while after that um and the effects of when you don't have somebody who kind of sees your point of view how that can also not help (laughs) um, um your writing as well so I think yeah, I yeah. So that's what I'll say about that. <laughs> that <was> right. <laughs> yeah, and I think that can be so unconscious when you get the negative feedback that you you don't see yourself making the choice, right? Like, oh, I'm not going to do this thing anymore. It's just like years go by. Yes. I feel like I had that experience in high school. Mm. I remember taking a creative writing class where I absolutely had no idea what I was doing and hadn't thought seriously about creative writing ever. But I remember writing something and getting enough feedback from all the boys in my class that like, it's, you know, whatever criticism and not having the teacher do anything to stand up for me and just being like, okay, well, I guess I'll go do something else. Like, (laughs) that's so real. That's so real, though. Yeah. But you could could pin it back to that one. That was the moment. Yeah. I mean, that because when I try to trace the origins of, well, when did I first have interest in this? Mm. Or where are times that I maybe attempted this and then it didn't come through? I don't, it's not something that I remember consciously as a huge wound, but it, it then it's there when I think back. Oh, well, I took this class, I tried this, and yeah, and I didn't have a teacher or peers in that class who were saying, Hey, you you have something here, or you'll get there, keep going, even if it was awful at the time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Having that the the helpful feedback there is really crucial. And like, I think sometimes, I don't know, my undergrad experience was really cool, but like it was sometimes elitist and like sometimes not an accessible space where we could make mistakes. And it was so competitive within our 
peer group that it was like you were afraid to do stupid silly things because or and make and not and be bad at things which we should have been because we're children <laughs> you know we're very young students trying to learn the craft um but like this those spaces not really being a safe space to do that and like your for your example yeah it's really interesting you say that because that's something exactly that Julia Cameron talks about in the artist way too. Mm-hmm. She has this whole part where she really criticizes academia. But what I think she argues about in there that is really important is exactly what you just said is if this is the space of learning, then you need to be able to make mistakes here. Mm-hmm. And why is there why is there no place to just play? Because most of the writers that I work with as a coach are so bogged down in perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense because that's all we know is like, do it right the first time. Do it now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exa- yeah. It's so true. Yeah. It's Oh, yeah. And the grading, of you know, you're being graded like it's literally not as it, it's a very difficult and I did I shouldn't like boohoo on, you know, like getting your um, higher education. But there were teachers who did allow me to play. And those were like some of my favorite classes because I was able to make really fun mistakes and learn from that and create better things. So, yeah. How, yeah, sorry. Now I want to ask you a question. <laughs> no, you can go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, how do you like undo that perfectionism? Because that's something I'm still navigating. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just such a practice. Mm. It's just you really consciously letting yourself have even like I feel like you sort of talked about you know, there's writing that we do that's kind of for ourselves, that's maybe more therapeutic or just processing. Mm. And so I think that's one place where, you know, if people don't have that to begin to cultivate some sort of writing where the end goal is not a product where, and, you know, you can't even know this when you start it, but, you know, maybe down the line you realize it is and it turns into something, but at the outset and even as you get into it and, and continue to work on it, there's got to be no goal. It's got to not be about, you know, well, am I going to be able to get this published? Or even sometimes you can get hung up on what is this, right? Is this going to be a short story or is this going to be a novel or what form of poem is this? Who's going to want this poem mm. before you even have it? Because we're trying to figure out like, where is this going to belong? And where is this going to be legible? Which is all all wrapped up in, I want to do this right. I want this to be presentable. I need this to be um, complete. And I think it's also hard to see the layers of writing in the same way that, mm. to me at least, and I don't you know, work in these mediums, but I feel like when you're doing painting or even like with more technical stuff, you know, with like video and things, you can sort of see the pieces and the raw materials and it's just a little bit more tangible what's going to need to be done to get to the end. Mm. Whereas with writing, you know, 500 words looks like 500 words, whether or not they're well-written or not. Yeah. And yeah. so, That's true. <laughs> I don't know. I think there's something about that, that 
can be hard to discern mm. when you're trying to figure out like cuz all we all we see you know is other people's finished work yeah and and knowing and it can be hard to know even looking at your own work okay well i have this draft how many drafts do i need how many drafts should i need before yep. i get to the end um it's harder to sort of understand what the the pieces of it are i mean in terms of perfectionism i think one other thing is just really allowing yourself to follow your interests mm. Mm. that's good because part of like the perfectionism i think comes with like oh this is what i should be writing or like this is what will be interesting to others versus like what's really like raw or real or just interesting to you that you know you think is not important or that you think that everyone knows but really it's just you're interested in it and you know about it because you think about it all the time and it's really interesting to read a things that other people write when they have incredible specificity about their minds or what they're interested in. Oh, that's, yeah, that's really good. It's so true. I, it, Jordan Peele, he directed Get Out and Us, mm -hmm. and he talks about this. He's like, you should have fun when you're writing. And for some reason that, like, I was like, oh, this should be a good, I should be having a good time. <laughs> like, I didn't know I was allowed to do that. <laughs> um, so it's like, yeah, it's like you should be writing about something that you know do you, you yeah that excites you and interests you and I think it's hard especially for somebody who comes from or people who are interested in film and television or write in film and television because there are trends right and like vampire movies are really hot so everyone wants you to write a vampire movie and you're like but I really just want to write a movie about a boy in a tree and like and you should be able to write that it might never get made but like <laughs> or it could be like a cute short or something um that's just for you um but just yeah it's interesting and, and those are the movies that when you're watching movies too that do reflect somebody's personal interest and like you can tell they put so much love and care and you, you hear the writer talk about it and you're like, Oh dang, like this, this is your life or you really want to tell the story of your aunt or whatever it may be. Um, it comes through, it comes through mm -hmm. the film and you can feel that passion and that love. And just as you're reading a novel, the same thing, it, it's really interesting when it comes from an authentic, like real place, you can, you can sense that. So it's exciting. So you find time, though, it sounds like, to at least to try to write a poem every day, which is an amazing practice. Um, so how do you fit a poem a day in or how do you find the time and energy to cultivate your writing practice as you do have a day job and things that you have to do outside of pursuing your passions? Yeah, it, it's it is a journey and I'm not perfect at it I'll be the first to admit um but I did realize that if I don't make time for it I feel a little piece of me dies <laughs> every day <laughs> um and at the end of the week if I know we're busy we work you know 40 hour work weeks plus and uh I ha I have to if I don't feed that part of me it really does hurt me and there 
there is a practice that I'm working on now. It's called like narrative therapy, where you kind of see yourself mm-hmm. as the main character and taking up space and self-care and rest, all of those kind of things as the main character. So as my main character in my life, I have to make time to write um, because that's what feeds me. So even I am a morning person, if it's getting up a half an hour early and making a cup of tea, that's kind of my ritual and practice and sitting down to write. Um, I don't, I'm not perfect at this. I don't do this all the time, but I find that if at the end of the week I can make time for that, then I find that I feel a little more self satisfied, if that makes sense. And a little more successful, so to speak, in terms of like, not everything I'm writing is at all perfect or something that I may use, but it is cre- it is creatively feeding me. I think a poem is the perfect thing for that as well, because like you said earlier, it's so finite and it is something that you can sit and write in one sitting. And I think that's so important. I know sometimes some writers think that they can't write poetry or just like poetry is some foreign thing. But um, I really encourage people to try it because it's so satisfying to be able to just write a whole thing. And I was just sort of starting to reflect on this past year and thinking Mm. about what sort of writing I did. And Mm. one of the things that I did this year very sparsely was attend a writing group where I wrote, you know, one poem each time I went to that writing group. And two poems that I wrote this year in that group are the poems that I got published this year. That's amazing. It's so I've never had such a direct experience of that, but it's very apparent. It's like, okay, literally an hour that I took you know, and yeah, I had to clean it up later, but the poem was basically there. Exactly. That I just sat down and wrote for 20 minutes and I made a poem that now people can read. Yeah. (laughs) It's, that is so cool. I love that. No, it's so true. And it's like, like you said, you can clean it up later and none of the stuff I'm writing in 20 minutes, it's it's not perfect. And, and being able to go back to it's it's actually kind of fun too and that's one thing I will also say too going and reading back your old work I've been doing a lot lately just as for myself to figure out who I I'm kind of doing some self-reflection to figure out who I am as an artist and like what that Mm -hmm. looks like um and so kind of digging into my old work but it's also super inspiring I'm like dang I wrote that like that's really (laughs) that's really really cool so like just like the poem that you wrote that's now being shared to all these amazing people it's like it's it's cool to see like when you do put in the work so to speak it it does have a ha- does have this cool ripple effect so in terms of the artist state that's sort of like i'm similar to you i like to get up and like have tea have coffee do some writing mm-hmm. and that's sort of adjacent to um the morning pages idea which is you know you just getting to process on the page and then the other core practice of the artist way is the weekly artist date which is to play and get inspired um so what are some ways that you seek inspiration so one of the ways that i find inspiration is definitely going to museums i love museums and they always inspire me to write and as a filmmaker you can also draw like a lot of inspiration from like the lighting and the framing. 
um, in the visual art that you're seeing or even the photographs that you're looking at. Um, so that's a big, I went, I was kind of stuck on a script that I've been developing and I went to CAM, the California African American Museum recently, and just took myself on a date, like the artist dates or the artist dates, um, tell you to do. And, um, I didn't really, I knew I was kind of like locked up, but didn't know what I needed. So I just went there and just was inspired by these amazing black artists. Um, and I took my pen and notepad and just whatever kind of words were kind of springing, coming up for me. And also was reading like, I don't know what it's called, the things that are underneath the pieces mm-hmm. of art, <laughs> little bios or what the art piece. I, yeah, I read those too. And like any words that were springing from that, I would pull from that as well. Um, and also had fun. Like it's it's seeing art. It's a free museum. That's the thing we have where if you are, it might be, everyone has different accessibilities, but even online, you can just go, some people can do really cool virtual tours, um, or even YouTube has probably really cool videos, um, whatever kind of gets you freed up and like looking at other people's artwork, especially for me as a black queer woman, like seeing other black artists is like immediately inspiring for me. Like that is constantly kind of like how I have to surround my space with. Um, and yeah, so those, I think museums are a big way for me. Um, music videos are huge for me and inspiring me in terms of not only my writing, but also like my visual style and always catching up on those and watching old ones. And I really enjoy spending my time that way. Those are kind of a couple of the things that I do to inspire me. Those are great ones. I love what you said about also sort of being stuck and not knowing exactly what you needed and just sort of being just open to, okay, like what is going to unstick me? What's here? And just sort of having that curiosity rather than, okay, I'm going to go to the museum and I have this specific assignment or this specific goal. And I just need to do this one thing to get what I need. Exactly. Because honestly, Molly, it might not even be in the museum. It honestly might just be me walking in or walking up to the steps and seeing somebody on the side that is asking for money and I have a conversation with them. And that's what gets me unclicked and being like, this is what, this is how the story needs to go. Like, I think it's just, so, that's why one critique that I always had about the writer's room and being very close to that in, in, in TV shows was that they would just stay in the room all day and write like, you know, nine to five, these long hours. And I never understood that. I was like, you have to get outside and move. Like you have to get outside and talk with people and, and be inspired because that's, what's gonna, you don't even know what's going to lock something. Um, And I think also for me as a writer, like movement is a big part of my practice in terms of like, I, I do enjoy dancing and I really love it. And I think movement is a great way of like kind of just getting like getting what's stagnant in your body out in a way so even if it's yoga or even if it's like some kind of contemporary dance or um jumping up and down it does have a way of like moving through your emotions and then being able to like like more connect to your body because you do need to connect with your body in order to like properly express yourself um, 
And so, yeah, that's something I'll do too, is if it's just like five minutes of listening to a crazy Lady Gaga song and moving my body and then getting down to right. Like I have to somehow tap into me and like unravel like the day. We all have the day that like sits on us and you were like smiling in Zoom meetings and having to deal with your boss and all these things that like we have the day on us. So you, so you have to shake that off, like not to quote, you know, Taylor Swift, but like you do, you know, like you have to like get it off of you to like be able to like process your emotions on the page and, and be honest to your audience and to yourself, you know, it's for you. So I would also, that's also been something I've been doing recently that I really enjoy is somehow tapping into my physical body and then getting into the work that I need to do. I totally agree. And I think when we don't do that, like you're saying, you go through this whole day where you have to do all these things and you have to do them in a certain way. And you're also thinking a lot. You're like using your thinking brain and you're trying to like analyze and criticize and like be linear and like keep things on track. And then Mm -hmm. we take, we're like, okay, I'm going to do my writing and I'm going to do it the same way that I did everything else today. And then it's like, there's nothing there because that's not where, that's not where it is. And we forget that, Mm -hmm. that like the writing and like the, what needs to be expressed, even though it's going to come out in these words that are going to make sense probably when we read them. It's not coming from that place. That's the fastest way, I think, for me to get back to that space is through doing some sort of movement where you just sort of start having the associations um, of whatever whatever is coming up for you without it being mediated by this sort of like just thinking brain. Yeah, same. That is my, that's been my key in like accessing that part of, um, a part of myself. And that looks, I don't think everyone, I don't think movement is going to be the answer for everyone, but that's definitely been it for me. And like, and also I think we may have touched on this. I don't know yet, but like the idea of play, if like, if I, sometimes I have a hard time writing because I feel like it's work (laughs) because sometimes it, I mean, I'll be honest, sometimes it, it is. Right. So it's like, if I can be like, Hey brain, you're gonna get to play for a little bit, whether that be move my body, whether it be write a silly poem, whatever that is, I can ease myself into it easier than like going straight into like, I need to like revise this draft, you know, like there's no way I'm going to do that after a long day's work, (laughs) you know, like I just, I will avoid it at all costs, you know? So it's like, if I can put, add that play into it, then I can move into actually, yeah, having fun with it once again. I think that you've said a lot of things that um, listeners hopefully have put in their pockets now from, um, you know, rewriting the conversation where you didn't get your best punchline in to write it the way that you wish that it came and, um, you know, going to the museum or like you said, you can see so much art online, whatever you're into music videos, definitely. Do you have a writing prompt or, a a play prompt to leave the Moonlight Writers Club with? Yes. This is such a fun question. I had to think of on this for a while and it's something that I heard another director do back when I was in college. I'm not really sure who it was, but they created 
playlists for their actors, for the characters that they were inhabiting. And I started doing that as well as a director from like every time I um, had actors to work with, I would always make them a playlist and they could of course add to it, but just kind of giving them the groundwork um, to build upon. And so that is one of a creative exercise that I would, want to share is create a playlist for a character that you are either writing the backstory for or needing to write the dialogue for um and have fun with it and 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 listen to it and dance to it and think about would this character be singing out loud to these songs would this character be standing at a party on the wall while listening to the song like we all have these soundtracks to our lives and Especially, I think as a teen growing up, there were like, I was listening to the saddest music and that definitely affected me. So, <laughs> like, so that might help um, in the world building of your character to create a fun playlist and listen to it as you're writing for this character as well, um, however you want to play with it. So, that was one thing I took away and I would like to pass on. I love that. That's perfect. When you're doing those for your characters, obviously there's a million ways to slice it, but for you, are you thinking like, what would this character listen to? Or like, are you looking for songs that like describe them? What kind of like, are you hunting for? That's a great question. I would say like what the character would be listening to only because I usually give it to the actors that I'm working with. So uh, like it's to help them. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's the way I've been taught to use it. And that's the way I've used it. So, but yeah, if you want to use it anyway, <laughs> you can play on that. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of your, the ins and outs of your writing process with us. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. Thank you. Welcome to Ask Me Molly Anything, the time when I answer questions that you ask about writing. Today's question is, I'm having a hard time getting back into my writing. Do you have any suggestions? So sometimes it's hard to take that first step. I've got three strategies for you to try regardless of what it is that's causing you to have a hard time getting back into your writing. So hopefully you'll enjoy one of these ideas. Number one is a change of scenery. If you're able to get back out to a coffee shop or a library where you live and you feel comfortable doing so, I recommend setting a date with yourself to go to a cafe or a community spot you love to have a writing session as a way to make it fun. If you prefer to work at home, find a way to change your perspective at home. If you always write or work in the same spot, move into a different room, a different chair, or build yourself a pillow fort and hang a sheet as a curtain. Whatever you need to do to change your environment and shake things up. The second thing you can try is to buddy up. It can be really inspiring to work with a friend either in person or virtually via Zoom, Google Meet, 
to help you keep the date and time that you choose to write and just have some added structure and someone to share that time with so that you can not be alone when you get into your writing. The third thing you can try is asking for an assignment. Seek a writing prompt from someone else. It doesn't have to be a writer. So it can even be one word that someone tells you that can help you get going. If you want to ask someone in your house or anywhere to give you a prompt, here's a couple ways you can ask them um, without even putting them on the spot about what it's for or anything. You could say, I need a person, place, and a thing. Or tell me the first word that comes to your mind. Or ask someone for a story from their life that can help inspire you. Like, tell me about one of your best childhood memories. And then take whatever words, story, individual phrases, or single ideas that you get from someone and just see what comes to mind for you based on that. All of these strategies are ways of getting outside of your norm and just getting a little bit of um, a spark to infuse your writing and get out of the norm of how you're thinking, how you're moving through the world and shake you into a little bit of a different space where you can begin to innovate, discover, and hopefully spark some more curiosity and imagination. Okay, that's it for today. Thanks for coming to the clubhouse. I will see you soon. You've been listening to Moonlight Writers Club, created by me, Molly Thornton. If you love the show, please leave us a review and remember to subscribe or follow wherever you listen. To learn more or contact me, visit mollythorntonwrites.com.